The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Your best run plays are coming off end arounds. There's a problem. Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. The biggest thing that affected Justin Fields was a coaching change. And now he has an offensive coordinator, and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback. Something we have not seen in a long time. I've had it! I have had it. I want somebody to get kicked in the ass. When I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, and I see people commenting, Chicago, and it's not even close, then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive. I got my ass whipped many times, but I tell you, I took somebody down with me. I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no. The Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's Buffone 55. The John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those lovable Chicago Bears. I'm your host, John Buffone, and with me, as always, is my co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, the Bears drop another close one, and they do it to the lowly Detroit Lions. How are you feeling after that? I mean, that that was a rough one to swallow, especially as you know, I have a lot of family that are Lions fans. So, you know, they let me have it a little bit, but I am over here just basking in the glory that Justin Fields is my quarterback. So I'll, I'll take it. It's little victories, but this it, it, we're looking long term, which is something we we're trying to do better at looking at the long term vision of what's going to happen rather than the short term. And uh, we'll see what they can do uh, against the Falcons this week. Speaking of which, we got an awesome guest tonight to help us get ready for those Atlanta Falcons. But just in case on the weird off chance that this is your first time listening or watching Buffone 55, Alyssa, can you give us a breakdown of how this show has been running for the last six years? Absolutely. So Buffone 55 has three segments and we always begin with our guest. And this week we'll be talking to Scott Kennedy, who will help us preview this week's matchup against the Falcons. That's followed by our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. We then finish things up with a free-for-all we call Buffone's Basement, where John and I welcome in Aldo Gandia and kind of just let out all of our emotions on the current state of the Bears. With all that being said, John, take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. Like you said, our guest tonight is Scott Kennedy, whose YouTube channel is a super source for Atlanta Falcons information, along with a lot of different things. He's also the former director of scouting for Scout.com and content operations, VP at Sports Illustrated. Scott, thank you so much for being on Buffone 55. How you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate the invite. I love talking football. So I did a I did an earlier show at the beginning of the year with some Chicago Bears, and I'm looking forward to do, to doing it again. These are two interesting teams that are obviously 
in a phase where they're looking towards the maybe they're looking towards the future but Atlanta has shown some sparks throughout this year so I want to start with the head coach hired back in 2021 Arthur Smith uh, now has 27 games under his belt and uh, I believe 11 and 16 record for Bears fans who are not familiar with Arthur Smith can you tell us a little bit about his relationship with the media which some social media clips appear him as potentially being a salty guy as you may have put it in one of your videos i think i think his he uh he's got a pretty good media interpersonally with the folks and the 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 atlanta media the southern hospitality they are notoriously soft anyway so the fact that he gets salty with them a little bit rubs me a little bit the wrong way i'm like these guys are easy dude these are (laughs) these are real easy but if you if you ask any of them afterwards they'll say no that's that, what he's like in person, what he's like in camera, actually two different things, which, but again, he doesn't have the track record. You know, I always think of back to, uh, to bull Durham, you know, you, 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 you win 20 in the show. You can let the, the, the fungus grow back on your shower shoes until you win 20 in the show. It just means you're a slob. Well, you know, you win five Super Bowls, you can bill Belichick your way through a, through whatever you want to until then you're kind of an a-hole. So, um, <laughs> I think he kind of needs to earn that a little bit. That said, the Atlanta Falcons were a train wreck when he took over. And I think he is really, really overachieved with this bunch right now. Um, we can get into however you want to. We, I, I don't want to monologue here, but I, I think Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, the new general manager, they came in together last January, a year ago, um, year and a half ago. Um, I think they've done a fantastic job with what was just an awful situation left by the previous regime and Thomas Dimitrov, who was criminally negligent in building this team. And Scott, some of the questions that Coach Smith have had to address over the last couple of weeks is about quarterback Marcus Mariota and whether the team should make that switch to rookie Desmond Ritter. And I'm curious, what's going on with Mariota's play that has him apparently on the hot seat? It's just for, for Mariota one, and I've had people come and ask me this, say like, like he was loved when he was in Tennessee. He was loved when he was with the Raiders. How come he hasn't been embraced by the Atlanta Falcons fans? One, it's because he came in immediately as a bridge quarterback. Uh, two, he's basically being seen as, uh, this is his third year. You get what you get. So people are like, I don't want to, I don't want to like him too much. He's going to be gone soon anyway. Um, so could he come in and make this job his own long-term? The opportunity was there. Is he going to? I don't think so. Uh, I, I still think he's probably too. His overall numbers look solid. The problem is, is if you put his each game on a line graph, it's going to go like this, up and down. you know. And then the line through, it's going to be, well, look, his, his numbers are okay. Yeah, but he's so inconsistent. And for a seventh, eighth-year guy who's supposed to be a steadying presence for this team, it hasn't really been good enough. But for – you know, for my expectations, set your expectations super low. You're never disappointed. For my expectations, he's been he's been fine, fine. I was told a girlfriend of mine she looked fine and triggers me still because I got yelled at. Fine, I look fine. He's been <laughs> fine, fine. That's that's you know, it's almost it's almost not what you want to hear. You either want to hear great or awful. You never you never want to hear fine but, but you look fine uh, what do you i yeah. look fine oh god that was 30 something years ago i still cringe when i hear the word fine uh sticking with the, the quarterback position i do want to go to a uh, a listener question here from jordan he says scott what are the local reports saying about desmond ritter's practice performance is he ready and i want to kind of expand on that a little bit are the fans ready for him 
See, that's the problem with practice reports is the media is not allowed to come in and watch practice. Mm. So they haven't seen, we haven't seen Desmond Ritter since the preseason where he looked good. He looked good in the preseason. And, you know, he had 40 something starts, very prolific passer at Cincinnati, four, five, two in the 40 at, uh, at the NFL combine. The, the guy's an athlete, you know, all the things you talk about Mariota, you know, he, he may not have the wiggle that Mariota does as far as, you know, the pure running ability, but if I'm in trouble and I need to pull the ball down, he can scoot. Uh, but he looked really good. So I've said, you know, we don't, we as fans, we as media, we don't need to see him on the field to know. Maybe they already know, you know, maybe he has looked that bad. We don't know that. I always say questions are easy. Answers are hard. How has he looked in practice? Has he looked that bad in practice? Because Marcus Mariota has cost his team a couple games, not completely on his own. I know too much blame, too much credit for the quarterback, of course. But if Marcus, if uh, Desmond Ritter had five games under his belt, would he be trending higher right now for this four and six team? The problem is, y'all, is the NFL wants everybody to be about 500, so everybody thinks they have a chance. This is a four and six team that isn't very good. They're better than I thought they'd be, without a doubt, but they're a four and six team that isn't very good. But they're one game away from the division lead. We got to keep going the way we're going. Ugh. You know, if, if Marcus Mariota is not the long-term answer, what, what can the kid do? Stick around long enough and still be in the hunt in week 6, 17, 18, and see if you can get into that uh, that vaunted seventh seed that they they created a couple years ago to see if you can sweep in. The Bears know all about that seventh seed. That's I don't think they raise any banners for that. But I, I want to stick with the offense, but I want to move over to the, uh, the running game because when playing at home, the Falcons have the second-best record for rushing yards, averaging around 188 yards per game. Can you break down the rushing attack a little bit for us? And I ask that because the Bears have the third-worst rushing defense on the road and therefore need to exploit whatever weakness may be there. But uh, could you give us a little bit of a breakdown on the rushing attack? This isn't a great matchup for the Chicago Bears. Uh, they want to come out there. The Atlanta Falcons want to come in. They'd like to establish some balance. And when that doesn't work, Arthur Smith says to hello, we're just going to run the ball. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you get up down two scores. They got down early to the Rams. They got down to uh, to, uh to the Bengals, and they just ran it 15 times and, and came back. They, they had a chance to beat the Rams, had a chance to beat the Buccaneers. We're in all of these games. They are a power-running team. They can run a little read option with Mariota, so his, his threat with his legs is dangerous. But Tyler Algier, rookie running back, Caleb Huntley, uh, a, a guy they brought up off the practice squad, those dudes run angry. And then Cordero Patterson is back, and he you guys got a chance to watch CP, but not mm -hmm. like this. He runs out of the backfield like he's returning kickoffs. Like, you know, it's going to be his, the last time he's ever going to touch the ball, which is why he gets banged up a little bit. But he is a dynamic weapon. So those three guys with Mariota and the improvement on the offensive line, which was god-awful last year, uh, is, is the reason why this team is a lot more competitive than I was expecting them to be at the beginning of the season. And over the last two drafts, the Falcons have acquired a couple of the most electrifying pass catchers that were available. Uh, in 2021, it was tight end Kyle Pitts, and this year it's receiver Drake London. So I was wondering if you could evaluate their play for us and who else should Bears fans look out for as potential big contributors in this game? Um, we can go back to this because I'll bring up the article where I said Justin Fields is the pick at four. Um, you know, you had Matt Ryan in a big cap number. He's 36 years old. Now he's 37 and gone. 
Um, you had no offensive line and no defense. What the hell good is a, is a guy catching the ball going to do when it's like, oh, with Ridley, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts, how are you going to stop this team? They're really going all in. Easy. I'm going to put the quarterback on his butt. And a defense that can't stop anybody. That's how. So it's uh, you go back to this, and then they double down. Uh, so you've got two of these dynamic pass catchers averaging 35 yards a game. You know, somewhere in there, when your quarterback situation is in flux, your offensive line is in flux, you're, you've got a couple luxury positions at, 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 at as receivers. And I, I don't like to call Kyle Pitts a tight end. He's a receiver. He's a pass catcher. That said, both of these guys are incredibly young. Uh, Kyle Pitts came in the league at 20 years old, Drake London at 21. Arthur Blank, the owner, isn't the old Rankin Smith of old where every free agent is gone. He will pay these guys, and they could be long-term building blocks. But I was my first choice was trade down because you've got a zillion holes on your team. My second choice was Justin Fields. He's from Kennesaw, Georgia. I watched him play in high school. Um, you know, you see the tools. It's so obvious what he can do, what he's capable of. Uh, I thought he would have been a perfect put for the Falcons at four um, two years ago. Now they're asking questions like, what are we going to do at quarterback? Huh? I wonder what, <laughs> what could you have done? <laughs> now, hindsight is uh, certainly 22, but you're right. You, you, sometimes you get all these luxury picks for a team that really needs to, you know, before you, before you put the nice rims on the car, maybe you should make sure it has an engine. And so it's, uh, it's, I, I, John, I've said that a zillion times. Like, you know what, again, I, I say luxury, but, you know, you you say when you're troubleshooting things, you know, you start, what's the first thing that can break? It's like, okay, my refrigerator is not cold. Well, is, is the circuit breaker working? Is there any power to it? You know, and, and if there's no power to it, I don't care if there's Freon in the fridge or not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Kyle Pitts and Drake London are the Freon at this point. And if your quarterback and offensive line aren't good enough, it doesn't matter how good your receivers are. And we could get into the Cincinnati Bengals and their offensive line and say the exception that proves the rule but they still weren't as bad as the line was last year. And they already went and got their quarterback. Falcons are going, we're not sure what we're going to do a quarterback. Football and Freon. That's what you get on this podcast. <laughs> we talk about refrigerators and football. There's a lot There's a lot more in common than you think. But you mentioned that offensive line. And I want to bring that up because, listen, Scott, Jaquan Brisker is the uh, leading sack getter for the Bears right now. And he's a safety. He has three. Uh, at second, it's linebacker Roquan Smith, who is not on the team anymore. So that tells you <laughs> how much pressure the front four is actually getting for the Chicago Bears. What's the state of this Falcons offensive line? And do the Bears have any chance of putting pressure on the quarterback? Well, and that's what I was saying is that it's not a great matchup for the Bears. The The weakness right now, especially with an injury at left guard for the Falcons, is probably right up the gut. The center is susceptible. The left guard is susceptible. The right guard, Chris Lindstrom, is terrific. You know, I, I, I'm a lifelong Atlanta sports fan. I undersell because... Well, we falcon it up and the curse and everything. Uh, Caleb McGarry, someone asked, I think Jordan asked early about Caden, uh, Caleb McGarry. Caleb McGarry is another reason why this team, I think I picked him to be 2-15 and 15 at the beginning of the season, maybe 3-14. and 14. Caleb McGarry at right tackle, who is in a contract year, is playing really well at right tackle. Jake Matthews is a solid pro at left tackle. You are susceptible up the middle. You don't have any interior linemen. Your, your interior defensive line is probably the weakest part of this defense that isn't doing very well. So it's weakness on weakness, and I think the Falcons will be able to run the ball. I don't want to say at will, but they're gonna. It, would, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they go for over 200 yards against the Bears in Atlanta this weekend. 
Well, that's you know, <laughs> there's a, there's a roller coaster every game here, so uh, it, it doesn't look like things are much better though for the Falcons when it comes to them jittering a pass rush, and that's we always like to see Justin Fields stay upright. Uh, can you give us a rundown on the pass rush for the Falcons and what Bears fans can be expecting will be coming at that sometimes hodgepodge patchwork line that they put out there? Yeah, you mentioned the the. Uh you know, having a bad rush, it actually feels like the Falcons have a pass rush this year because they're going to increase their output by about 50%. They had 18 sacks last year, 18. The next worst team, John, was 29. So they could have added a double-digit sack guy and still finished last. So their pass rush has improved um, rookie Arnold Ebiketti is playing really well out of Penn State, you know, again, for a rookie. But again, it was awful last year. I think Stephen Means, a starting edge rusher, hit the quarterback twice last year in 15 or 14 starts, twice, and it was the same game. 13 games, he didn't lay a paw on the quarterback, starting edge rusher. Lorenzo Carter is a competent pro. Um, and then inside, Grady Jarrett's a handful. So, you know, it, he's got to be dealt with. And then Taquan Graham is a second-year, fifth-round draft pick out of Texas that has taken a meteoric leap from last year to this year. Another one of those reasons why I said 2-15, and 3-14 was the defensive line. I wasn't counting on Graham because they didn't bring anybody in. They don't have any money. They didn't have any money this year. They're playing with half a, half a roster. I think they got about $107 million on the field out of a possible 210. So they didn't bring anybody in except a bunch of Bears cuts. Guys that they got off of the Bears waiver wire or practice squad. Um, so Graham's playing really well. The edges, Ebiketti and Carter are okay. They're not, they're a, a promising rookie and a journeyman is, is where they are, which is leaps and bounds better than it was last year. <laughs> Well, it, it sounds like there could be opportunities moving forward. Let's let's move let's move over to the secondary now because one thing that the the Bear, Bears fans would love to see is for Darnell Mooney and specifically Chase Claypool to get going vertically a little bit. And there has been some shuffling in that Atlanta secondary a little bit, a lot probably due to injury. So, will there be opportunities for Justin Fields to go down the field a little bit on on some deep balls? And Cliff, it's the Atlanta Tie Bears because if they didn't come from Chicago, they came from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and, and it was all off the waiver wire. So getting into that team-building aspect, if you look at the two teams that have the most cap room next year, Bears and Falcons. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a fun offseason for these two franchises. There's a plan. For a change. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yes. Again, when I say the matchup for this team, Justin Fields is killing people with his legs, but he's only averaging about a buck fifty through the air. The Falcons have the worst pass defense in, in the NFL. Uh, and, and it's been the worst for two of the last three seasons. And the third one, they were 31st. So it's been bad for a while. A.J. Terrell is a very good player at corner. He's maybe. He's missed the last two games. He was at practice for the first time today. Uh, after that, you've got a couple practice squad guys and veteran minimums because the starting corner they brought in to be a, a stopgap, Casey Hayward, is out on injured reserve. Uh, safety, Richie Grant played really well last last week. Second-year guy, Jalen Hawkins is okay. Al Isaiah Oliver is okay. So those are your three corners and, and two safeties. And with a not-so-good pass rush, this team can be had. They can be had through the air. I, they're much they're much better against a run than 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 through the uh, against a pass. And I'm gonna. I'm going to make Justin Justin Fields beat me with his arm. I'm I'm that's I'm going to sell out. 
with with the, with this with this defense. Could be some opportunities finally for those Bears receivers to have a, a big game, big yardage game, a couple of touchdowns. We'll see. I'm trying to be the eternal optimist here. So we're <laughs> hope, hoping that we can see that. Uh, let's switch to something that is always fun to talk about, special teams. Everyone loves talking about that third phase because, especially in Chicago, with Cairo Santos missing an extra point, a crucial extra point last week, their third-round pick, Bayless Jones, has uh, you know, fumbled multiple uh uh, punch returns and then Khalil Herbert is gone on IR so uh, how do you feel about the the Falcons special teams and who we should be keeping our eye on whether it's a gunner a punt returner a long snapper who do we who do we got a spotlight oh uh, one of the gunners who uh, we mentioned those defensive backs if you see 28 in his dreads Mike Ford out on the field on defense target him go after him but he's a he's been really good on special teams so that's someone to watch Avery Williams was drafted to be a return guy um he was a special teams player of the year or something all american out of boise state why he was in on pass protection on the final drive getting bowled over last week against the panthers is a question that i would have asked if i was sitting in in the in the media room that this me this you know the media is not gonna um you know i, I did a I, i've got it on the friday i think the friday pod we did the day after with or it was maybe monday anyway He's 180 pounds, former defensive back return guy, first year at running back because maybe and he was in there pass protecting. But watch Avery Williams returning the punts. He's a he's a good player. And then the kicker, Youngway Koo, is despite missing two last week extra points, he had the second longest streak in the NFL for hitting extra points, and then he missed two in a row. Something was up last week. Something was up with the Atlanta Falcons last week. But uh, special teams are pretty good. They're 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 pretty good for the Falcons. Weird parallels there because Cairo Santos normally automatic was actually having some issues kicking last week, which we always just blame on the turf at Soldier Field because we just assume that's what that's what's doing it. But uh, something to keep an eye on there uh, as we move into Sunday. Uh, and before I ask you for uh, an overall prediction of this game, I do want to ask you about Ryan Pace because it's a guy a lot of people in Chicago know well about. Has there been any kind of talk about Ryan Pace, specifically because of all the former Bears that have gone to Atlanta? Has there been any kind of talk about the uh the former uh bears gm just some of the jokes that he's the one with his hand on the back of terry Fontenot going like this you know because <laughs> every player that comes in it's like I, I i i make a joke now i've got control v for copy and paste former chicago bear when i'm writing any new personnel move i'm like he's got to have bear ties he just he has to <laughs> um so it's been a running joke down here in atlanta but again this team has 80 million in dead cap, an NFL record, um, 85, somewhere in there. But they they ripped the Band-Aid off. They ate Matt Ryan's contract. And they're coming out with some money in last year. So what I'm hoping is they have learned how to be frugal and scout and spend and put a competitive team out there with half a payroll. So I'm interested to see what they can do. Now, instead of going for $1 million veterans, let's, let's step it up a little bit. I think there were... Four or six guys making over $4 million on this team. That's it. And you got $100 million available next year. I can have 25 guys making $4 million and just increase the depth because that's where this team, the starting level is okay, but there's no depth. And everybody on this team is either on a one-year deal or on a rookie contract. So it should be fun. I will be interested to see Ryan Pace is, you know, assistant general managers, don't, they don't get in the news very much. 
his name is known because of all of the Chicago Bears. It's like, okay, who's really running the show here? <laughs> and it is interesting to see how many former Bears just joined the Falcons this year. And what and you said, quit, like Eddie yeah, Goldman. yeah, Eddie Goldman retired. Uh, and that, that sparked another question. I, I apologize, but I got to know or at least get your opinion on uh, they did let Matt Ryan go. And obviously mm-hmm. he's been benched in Indianapolis. So was that move? Because that's a, that was a lot of dead cap to eat, eat, and there had to be a lot of decision-making there. Was that more because they wanted to just move on from him and let him maybe go on to another opportunity? Or did they see what Indy didn't see and say, this guy might be washed. Let's see if we can get something for him. Well, they screwed it up royally by going after Deshaun Watson, um, which was a owner-related move because he was a former ball boy with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, the, the state of Georgia is number four in the country in producing NFL players. And so there's a lot, and there's a lot of former NFL guys here. There's talent everywhere down here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Deshaun Watson was a former ball boy, had a relationship with Arthur Blank. They go after Deshaun Watson, despite all of his baggage. And they thought it was coming down to the Saints and the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, until the Cleveland Browns lost their mind and they rounded up. I was born in Akron, a suburb of Cleveland. Um, so a Cleveland-born Atlanta sports fan, I'm a cynical SOB. I promise you that. <laughs> um, but if anybody's going to screw it up worse than the Falcons, it will be Cleveland. And mm-hmm. when they came in and did that, now not only do you not get this polarizing, but talented young quarterback, you've made an ass of yourself in doing it. You've been left at the altar now too. And Matt Ryan was like, okay, you know, screw you guys, get me out of here. That's why they only got a third. They got a second third round pick. They didn't even get the Colts' best third round pick. You know, meanwhile, you got Russell Wilson going for a pair of twos, a backup quarterback, two starters and two seconds for a 33 year old Russell Wilson. And you get a third rounder for Matt Ryan. So their hand was forced because they screwed it up. Um, but now if you're willing to swing for the fences for, um, for Deshaun Watson, what kind of, what kind of deal are you willing to put together for Lamar Jackson pending free agent who will play on a franchise tag or not, or say, I'm not playing. So that's the talk down here. They're going to go all in on Lamar. Yeah. I was going to say, I, 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 I got to ask you, is it at the quarterback position? If you're hesitant to put Ritter in now, because you think you might be able to squeak into some kind of playoff spot or whatever, you don't get a really good evaluation on him. And then if you have a top 15 pick or you have all this cap space where you can go all in on someone like a Lamar Jackson, Mm -hmm. what do you do with the quarterback position? then? If you got a chance to get Lamar Jackson, you take it. Um, you know, for what Arthur, if Arthur Smith is your coach and what you want to do, I mean, there would be very few players. Justin Fields might be one of them, you know, that would, you know, round peg, round hole for what Arthur Smith likes to do. Um, you know, you're setting guys up in, in play action. Very, I don't want to say easy playing quarterbacks, not easy, but he's putting you in good situations. I mean, look at the difference between Steve Tannehill in Miami and year one under Arthur Smith oh, playing right. in Tennessee. There's your example. Um, of what, you know, what he can do in this offense, you would need, you'd like a more vertical passing game, but you got your, you got Drake London and Kyle Pitts. You need one more receiver. I got a hundred million dollars. I can go get another receiver that can stretch the field a little bit. So again, the team building of this is going to be a lot of fun. And frankly, Matt Ryan got benched because the owner benched him because Jim Irsay has been out of his mind lately. I couldn't believe when he was like 63 years old. I'm like, what do you mean this guy's like a decade older than me? He rode hard and put up wet. He looks like he's 90 years old. Sounds like it too. 
He's been in there. He's been in the business a long time. But he uh, he's partied a lot harder than I have. I promise you that. <laughs> um, he uh, but Matt Ryan came back and he's played well off and on a little bit behind that offensive line. But they love him. The teammates love him. The fans love him. the coaching staff love him. They love him up there. And 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 while Matt Ryan was a little bit polarizing because of you know 15 years of quarterback for a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl, that's gonna happen. Um, nobody doubts Matt Ryan, the person he's everybody's everybody pretty much wants him to succeed, except for the people saying, I told you he was washed. They don't want him to succeed, but m- most rational people do. Is uh, Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? I think so. Yeah, I think so. He's going to have the numbers. I mean, if, if he if he finishes this year, he could climb into the top five all time in passing uh, four time pro bowler MVP. And again, we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons here. He didn't go to the San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys or the Green Bay Packers or the New York Giants or, you know, even the Chicago Bears. The Atlanta Falcons, before Arthur Blank bought the team, had the record for the most consecutive years without back-to-back winning seasons because they'd never done it. It was 40 (laughs) years without having back-to-back winning seasons. I mean, Matt Ryan oversaw the golden age of Falcons football. This is like taking the Detroit Lions. If If Matthew Stafford played 15 years there, is he as Calvin Johnson a Hall of Famer? He didn't. He didn't win anything. Hell yeah, he is. Is Barry Sanders a Hall of Famer? We already know the answer to that. No, mm-hmm. they're not. He's not those guys. Those are two of the best to ever play it. But Matthew Stafford probably punched his ticket by going to L.A. Yeah, and getting a and getting a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan is a is a very very good quarterback for a long time playing for a franchise that's been the dregs of the NFL for a bottom five franchise of the NFL since its existence. <laughs> Well, it's, it's sometimes it's not, uh, it's always about where you get drafted location, location, location. It's not just true in real estate. It's also true in the NFL. And you can, even if you craft out a really good career, sometimes the, uh, organization you play for the franchise you're with, uh, can take it a different direction and you can have a big impact on your career. Uh, let's just go into Sunday. Now, uh, what's, what's your prediction for Sunday? You're looking at these two teams. They're, they're very similar, which mm-hmm. in the direction in which they're going. Uh, how do you see? I think right now the Bears might be three point dogs on the road, but that you mm-hmm. get three for being on the road. So what do you what do you what do you see this? How do you see this playing out? I think that's about right. This is the third time the Falcons have been favored this year, um, and the first time when it wasn't against the Carolina Panthers. I, I just don't think. This is a great matchup for the Bears. Again, what the Falcons want to do is is run the ball right at you. They're not they're not being sneaky with their with their running game. It's not a bunch of here, you know, take the cheese, I'm going that way. It's we're coming right at you. And you know, to my eye anyway, it looks like that's really the weakness of the Bears. The front 4, front 5, front 7 is susceptible to the run. If the Falcons can run the ball, they're tough to beat. There's going to be some points in this one. I, I think it's going to it's going to be a one score game. It's going to come down to the end. Young Way Koo kicks a field goal or something, but I, I think like twenty six twenty four could go either way. I'll give the nod to the home team who I think has a better matchup. Makes sense. And if the if the, both these teams run the ball like they want to run the ball, this might be a forty five minute game by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> so uh, it could be a quick one, could be a track meet, but it could be an interesting game like that. Hey, Scott, before we get you out of here, there's you have so much stuff going on, a lot of great content out there. Please let our viewers and our listeners know where they can see your stuff, how they can interact with you, and just uh, learn a lot more about the game because yeah, uh, that's probably what, that's the, where you the best way. Because I'm always in the community on my YouTube channel. It's just YouTube.com/slash C. 
slash Scott Kennedy is where you can find me. And I've got, um, let's see, how many draft picks did I get from the Bears last year? Five or six of them highlights from the Senior Bowl. I'll be at the Shrine Bowl again this year. I'll be at the Senior Bowl again this year. That, Like I said, the team building aspect. When you grow up a Falcons fan in the 80s, you learn to watch the draft. They had one winning season. I was seven years old in 1980, 17 when, when the decade was over. Formative years. They had one winning season that decade, 1980. That was it. <laughs> so you learn to become a big fan of the draft. So I uh, I, I follow it again. And, uh, you know, I, being director of scouting for so long, I've done NFL draft and rankings. And I always say you end up rooting for the names on the back of the jerseys more than the name on the front of the jerseys. If I say Braxton Jones is a steal at left tackle, I love this bounce, his arm length, his athleticism. By God, I want him to be a success. I don't care where he goes. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm around all the time. Uh, hit me up in the comments on the videos. I'll see it and I'll answer and I'll respond. You can find me at Twitter at Scout Kennedy. Um, that'll always have links to where I'm spending my time too. Excellent stuff, Scott. Thank you so much for being on. And like I tell all of our guests, we're going to catch up with you when the uh, Falcons and Bears inevitably meet in the NFC Championship game when they're playing for that Super Bowl spot, <laughs> whether it be next year or the year 2055. But we appreciate you being on here so much. Really informative stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me. We'll see you again soon. Sounds great. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 right after this. Hey everyone, welcome back to Buffalo 55. I am Aldo Gandia. Um, Alyssa had to uh, take care of some family business, uh, something unexpected, and we wish her very well and her family very well. So we're moving on to B55. That's where I am going to ask John five questions, and he has 55 seconds to respond to each question. This, of course, is his way of honoring Doug Buffon, who played 15 seasons for the Chicago Bears and wore number 55. John, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm in, trying to get in mid-season form. It's a, it's a, it's a season of attrition. You know, it's just who's healthy, not who's who's best. And so I'm trying to just keep going. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's get to our first question, which has to do with last Sunday's game. Um, the Bears' loss to the Lions was, of course, very, very frustrating, and it seemed like they had every opportunity to win. And somehow, some way, Dan Campbell got his first road victory as a head coach, and he did it against our Bears. So I got to ask, how hard did you take the loss? And you've got 55 seconds to give me a response that I'm sure would take more than that under normal circumstances. <laughs> That's why we do this show. Well, it was frustrating. The Bears have a late lead and the defense falls apart. Justin Fields throws an unfortunate pick six and Cairo Santos misses an extra point. This is one of those winnable games that you see on the schedule that you look at and think, hey, this could be a culture builder, but they fell short. But listen, 
after a day or so, you put things in perspective and you realize that losing this game is not going to wreck the franchise. It certainly didn't stunt Justin Fields' growth. And if you're into that whole draft position argument, I think winning and losing this game was a difference between something like 10 spots in the draft. So while I was mad they lost and I was mad that the Lions fans had their weird day in the sun, I certainly didn't carry this loss into Tuesday and I'm certainly not carrying it into this show as we record it. We knew this was going to be a rough season. This one stings a little bit more because it was one of the few games you look at the schedule and expect to win, but I don't think it's going to be the sole reason they don't make the playoffs in 2022. You know, after the game uh, on uh, Buffon 55, or excuse me, Bear Football, I mentioned that I think that this a lot of fans are overlooking the fact that the Detroit Lions have a really good roster. It's not there's certainly some big hoes, but they've got a lot of talent on this team, and so. For people to say, oh, we lost against the lowly Detroit Lions and so forth. Yeah, you don't want to lose against anybody. Uh, but to denigrate what the Lions have built from a roster standpoint, I think is uh, ill-advised. And so while I'm not happy with the loss, I also respect the fact that they lost against a team that's got some good talent and matches up pretty well against the Bears. Yeah, I mean, they, they were the scrappy, fun pick at the beginning of the year, remember? They got that hard knocks bo uh, boost that everyone uh, has got, starts paying attention to them. And so they do they do have some talent. They've been banged up by injuries quite a bit, but they, they, have, they have talent across the board, and they've spent a little bit of money, or at least they have some money wrapped up in their team, unlike the Bears. So uh, I get it. It's just... It, it's hard to say that you all it's hard to say that oh man the lions are going to beat us it's just that's never out of all the teams that the bears play you can always think that the lions is a winnable game indeed all right let's get to number two on our list of five questions you know one thing that didn't disappoint uh bears fans was the play of justin fields and the national media now has begun changing its tune on the second year quarterback earlier this week espn's dan orlowski said that justin fields could be mentioned in the MVP conversation. Now, John, that's pretty high praise. Do you think there's any shot of Fields making noise in the MVP race, or is this just hyperbole? 55 seconds, all yours. Well, the short answer is no. <laughs> They're not going to give the MVP to a quarterback on a team that potentially has a top 10 draft pick. Now, don't get me wrong. I love what Justin Fields is doing, and Bears, have, Bears fans have every reason to be excited. He is turning into one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL right now. Uh, he's breaking records and putting a ton of highlights on tape. Uh, but for me, it's just a nice breath of fresh air for people not to be talking about the Bears should seriously consider taking a quarterback in the 2023 draft in the first round i think we can probably stop with that nonsense are thing are, are there things that justin fields can work on and clean up absolutely have we scratched the surface of his potential enough to let go of this notion that any other young quarterback would have done better with this team in 2022 i think so so while i don't think he gets mentioned in the mvp race unless it's dan orvalowski i'd rather have that extreme conversation than the other extreme conversation the bears have to use their first round pick on a quarterback there you go you know, I think if anything, he sh he deserves to be mentioned as offensive player of the year in the NFC. Um, I don't think he'll win that either. But uh, if but who knows if he continues in the next seven games at the pace of accumulating rushing yards, he's going to shatter records. And then offensive player of the year is, is worth talking about. But MVP, I agree with uh, Cliff Victoria in the chat who says Justin is at least a year away from MVP 
contention. But what do you think about him uh, potentially being the offensive player of the year, John? I'd say there's an outside chance. I still think they probably give that to a team that's going to be a playoff, you know, contender. Uh, oh, but uh, he is on track, I believe, to break Lamar Jackson's single season record rushing for a quarterback. So if you do that and then throw in some other, maybe he throws, uh, if he gets his touchdown count up and passing the ball, maybe. Uh, but uh, we we know what the, the MVP is never the, the actual most valuable player across any sport. It's never who the most valuable is because basically it's the most, it's the best quarterback. It's the best, uh, the best player on the best team. That's what the Heisman goes to. That's what the MVP goes to a lot of the time. So it's never, it's never like the actual, like who is let's do these quantum physics to figure out who is the actual most valuable player to their team. It's always just going to be who has great stats on a great team. And I think that's usually what it comes down to. Indeed. Now, if he if he is able to improve his passing yard stats, if he, let's say for the next seven games, starts to average 250 yards passing, um, then, you know, who knows? Uh, offensive player of the year, uh, king of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, like, could, he, could be, uh, he could probably get mayor of Chicago the next day. Absolutely. <laughs> Hands down. There's no doubt about it. All right, question number three. Speaking of the offense, one thing Bears fans were pretty upset about was, was the lack of participation of newly acquired wide receiver Chase Claypool in Sunday's game. Claypool played just 19 snaps against the Lions after playing 26 in the first game against Miami. John, what's your take on Claypool's lack of usage so far? 55 seconds are on the clock. This may surprise some people. Look, I know patience is not one of my strong points, so I'm not going to hold it against anybody for being irritated. I, I was at Soldier Field for Chase Claypool's first game as a Chicago Bear, and I thought having him out there for 26 snaps and getting the ball in his hands a few times was good. Uh, but as for the game against the Lions, I'm not really sure what the strategy was. But look, up to that point on Sunday, the guy had been in Chicago for 12 days. Y'all know I love Madden, but real life ain't Madden. You just don't show up, know the playbook, have instant chemistry with your team, and start putting up six or seven catches per week. It's not like baseball where you can go out and get a big hitter and they're impactful right away. In football, you're much more dependent on your teammates. If you want to criticize the amount of snaps, I completely get that. I just think the integration process can't be expected to take place in 12 days. Much like everything else with the Bears this year, I'm willing to let that play out, which is something I don't normally do, and I'm sure Bears fans don't like doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I, I think also that the team wanted to take a good look at Brian Pringle. Um, and, you know, he was one of the bigger offensive acquisitions by this team. He was signed under a one-year contract. I just confirmed that over on Spotrack. There was some talk on a previous show on whether he, he signed a one- or two-year contract. But he, And so I, I think the Bears want to take a good look at him to see if he's going to be that third receiver to – um, uh, Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. And, and so, you know, you, you've got to, at this point with this offense, the, the passing offense on this team, you've got to take a look at some of these players. And I'm sure that Nikhil Harry is going to get his opportunities before uh, uh, the season's up to make a determination on him and seeing if, if that trade was, was worthy. And so I expect this, the, the offense, particularly the offense uh, wide receivers uh, for the Bears team to have a lot of different combinations and us to get frustrated because it will appear that, that they're not trying to win, uh, but uh, instead trying to look towards the future. What do you think about that? 
I think that's an interesting point because they got to decide whether or not they want to use a high draft pick on a receiver next year. And they do. They did spend a seventh rounder on Nikhil Harry. Harry. They did bring in uh, St. Brown and Pringle. And so they do probably want to see if they have their third or fourth guy on the roster right now. Uh, and that could shape some of the decisions going into the off season. And whenever you have, you trade for a guy like Claypool and he's only been there, you know, been there less than two weeks. And you, maybe you say, all right, you take another week to get acclimated with what, what's going on. We got to see what we got in Byron Pringle. We got to see what we got in Harry. Uh, I get that. So uh, I think that, like I said, I hate saying let's just wait and see how it plays out because that's not a fun thing to say. <laughs> but, but that's that's truly that's truly the the uh, the mindset I got to have with this because it's not like they're going to the playoffs. It's not like they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm just trying to get as much data as I can right now and look at things holistic holistically at the end of the season. Yeah, indeed. All right. Uh, on Sunday, I kept hearing these words: "This defense sucks." <laughs> I mean, over and over again. This defense sucks. And, oh man, I love that. And <laughs> on Monday morning, I heard him again. This defense sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that is your uncle Doug Buffon talking about mm. a team not too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it certainly applies today, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that was that a was that a Mel Tucker defense, I think that might have been talking about. <laughs> I think so. And, and so this defense once again is not performing well, performing well. They gave up 31 points, including a final 90-yard drive late in the fourth quarter. John, I know letting go of Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith was a big hit among Bears fans, but is there any hope for this defense the rest of the season, or are we going to be mired in mediocrity? And I'm being kind when I say that. <laughs> 55 seconds are yours. First off, that, that sound like is just music to my ears. I could listen to that all day. But uh, listen, I said this last week. This was going to be a concern for the rest of the season. They just can't get any pressure up front. And the secondary is being asked to cover receivers for way too long. And it's incredible that we're having the conversation about the Bears offense having to keep the team in games now. Which, by the way, when people say Justin Fields is putting up empty numbers because he can't win games, do you want him to play linebacker? Does he play three technique on the line? In the last four games, the Bears have averaged 30 31 points on offense in any other conversation if you said your team was scoring 31 points per game and you're losing you probably wouldn't be blaming the quarterback but here we are but in the same four game span the Chicago Bears defense is giving up over 32 points per game so this is what they're going to have to overcome for the rest of the year however I will say Jack Sanborn had a pretty solid game 12 total tackles two sacks and an interception that should not have been called back so maybe they found something there he's not an athletic freak but he's he's got up between the ears and he knows where to be he does have tremendous instincts, and it's going to be fun to watch him over the next few games. You know, as uh, offensive coordinators start to acquire tape on players, they sometimes figure out a way to exploit their weaknesses. We'll see if Sanborn's fantastic instincts are can be uh, overcome with good uh, scheming. So that's one thing I'll be watching about this defense. Do you – uh, what other aspects of this defense are you focused in on in these remaining seven games? Uh, where, what do you want to examine? What questions are you hoping will be answered? 
I think we got basically our answers on the front seven. They they need to they need an overhaul. They need to build that up through the draft and go out and get some free agents. I do want to see uh, Jalen Johnson for the rest of the year because he just something doesn't look right there. Uh, something I don't know if he's still banged up. I think it's an oblique or something of that nature where he's he's dealing with an injury maybe and that could be slowing him down. But also I just want to see the progression of the two high draft picks back there with Brisker and Kyler Gordon. I think they're going to be in very important parts to this defense moving forward because I. I I don't know how they're going to completely revamp the defense, but they're going to need playmakers back there with Eddie Jackson and, and Brisker. And I think their safeties are taken care of for a while, but uh, I am interested to see how the secondary works. Now you don't get a very good, <laughs> you don't get a very good uh, look at that whenever they're asked to cover guys for seven, eight seconds, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Then, like I said, I think the secondary is pretty well taken care of. At least the base is. I don't know what else we can really learn from the front seven that and unless Jack Sanborn just turns into a wrecking machine. But I think that teams are eventually going to try to stretch the field out and try to make him go side to side a little bit more. Indeed. All right. Our final question. Let's turn off the clock for this one. Let's not forget uh, about this game on Sunday. In fact, you mentioned it uh, with our guests. The Bears opened up as a three-point road underdog, and there's a bit of an interesting storyline, and that is, of course, former Bears GM Ryan Pace is now a senior personnel executive with the Falcons and seems to have a lot of sway over there. Do you think that aspect adds any juice to this matchup for Bears fans or for Pace himself? After all, there are quite a few former Bears now on Pace's Falcons. Forget about the clock now and take it away. Um, this one doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, I'm trying to move on from that chapter of my life. Uh, I think this might mean more to Ryan Pace than it does to the Bears or Ryan Poles. Uh, Pace saw Poles systematically bust down every pillar that he built throughout his tenure, trading Mac, trading Quinn, trading Roquan, acquiring more draft picks to overhaul the roster. Meanwhile, you can't tell me Ryan Pace doesn't have a big say-so in roster moves in Atlanta because listen to some of the names on the current Atlanta roster. Demir Bird. Jermaine Effetti, Elijah Wilkerson, Abdullah Anderson, Nick Kwiatkowski, all former Bears that joined the Falcons this year. They also signed Eddie Goldman back in the offseason, but then he retired. So Pace clearly still believes in his system and his players. So maybe he and some of those players have an emotional investment in this game, and they'd like to see some of the old Bears beat some of the new Bears. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just another team. But boy, I'm sure there's going to be some fun storylines on Sunday. We'll be back with more Buffalo 55 right after this. Welcome back to Buffone 55. It's time for Buffone's Basement, where Aldo and I just chew on all of that fun Bears talk with anything and everything. Aldo, how you how are you feeling tonight, bud? I feel good. You know, I, it, we talked about this after uh, Bear football, and we were talking about potential wins the rest of the way. And I, and I, I said, I don't care. And I, I don't want that to mean that I don't care if the Bears win or lose. But I, I, I have a bigger picture now in mind for this Chicago Bears team. And so while the losses are still going to be a dagger to my heart, I do, I am much more focused on the 
parts of this team so that we can continue a, a, a this rebuild and make sure that it's successful. And there's a lot of questions ahead. You know, can we trust Ryan Pose to make these player personnel decisions that are going to impact the future? It appears that we have our franchise quarterback, but it can Ryan Pose, is he capable of improving this offensive line, of getting the necessary weapons for Justin Fields, and really improving this defense that has now become among the worst in the National Football League. And it's something that we've been saying for a couple weeks now after they trade Robert Quinn, they trade Roquan Smith. It's now all of the pressure and all of the spotlight is on Ryan Poles. You have knocked everything down and everything you do now is going to be a it's going to be your legacy. Everything you do is going to be under a microscope to say, what are you going to do with this pick? Or who, who are you going to get in free agency? Or how are you moving this piece around? Which is fine because I, I have I'm I'm still confident in Ryan Poles, but uh, now it's like, there's no one else to blame. Now, if it falls apart, it's on you. This is, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is Ryan Poles show. Now he took it all the way down to the studs and it's his job to build it back up. So we'll see uh, what he can do. And one of those pieces he's going to have to make a decision on this off season is David Montgomery, because obviously he's a great running back and he, uh, what he's done for the bears uh, organization has been great. But he's up after this year with his contract, and they got to decide whether Khalil Herbert is the guy, or they need, or they need to bring Monty back. And with Khalil Herbert out, this gives David Montgomery another opportunity to say, "Look, you need me as the one because look what I can do." What are your thoughts on this? Uh, this at least four game stretch here that Montgomery is going to be the lead back, and what his what it could mean for his uh, future in Chicago. I think this is the perfect. Uh... Uh, audition for that contract you know he's got seven games four of them or he's going to get you know probably the the vast majority of snaps I know Tristan Ebner will get uh, several snaps but if David Montgomery can go out there and get 20 snaps rush for 100 yards score a touchdown on average for these last seven remaining games I find it very, very difficult for the Bears not to try really, really hard to sign into a contract. Now, Spotrack has his market value at $9.9 million for season. That's not going to happen. I don't think any NFL team will pay David Montgomery that. And I don't mean that as a, uh, a, a shot at Montgomery. I mean it because the running back market, I'm surprised Spotrack would, would list that kind of number because I don't think the running back market demands that even for some you know i don't i don't know even know if saquon barkley will make that kind of money and he's a free agent at the end of the year i think that for four or five million dollars two or three years with a, you know a, a good percentage of that guaranteed might bring him back to chicago and that would be a great thing because he's beloved by his teammates he is a team leader he gets he 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 helps other players become better because of what he does and what he says, and you can't underestimate that enough. I understand that running backs are, are, have become kind of a dime a dozen. But you know, once in a while, you you make an investment in a running back, and and he doesn't show up to play. David Montgomery always shows up to play. Yeah, and I think that that. Uh, he's not nine million dollars. I just don't see that going on the market. I, but and you factor in all of the free agents. Unlike the wide receiver market, the the running back market this year is actually 
quite plentiful. Just throwing out some names of guys who could potentially be free agents after this year. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert, David Montgomery, Devin, Devin Singletary, James Robinson, Rashad Penny, uh, Kareem Hunt, Damian Harris, Melvin Gordon, uh, uh, Daryl Henderson. All these guys are serviceable running backs here. So it's it's you can't you can't tell me that well, we got to go up and we got to pay $9 million for Montgomery and then everything else is going to fall off. The market dictates what your price is. And the and so if a team says, okay, we're not going to pay that for Montgomery, we'll go out and get a Tony Pollard or we'll go out and get a Josh Jacobs because I can get him for $3 million cheaper and their production might be similar. I said, that's from a you know a team that's looking to add a free agent, not necessarily the Bears trying to re-sign uh, that. So I, I think that it all depends on what the market is that year. And if there's a lot of, if, if just like wide receivers, I think Alan Lazar is probably going to get paid this year because he's the only one that has any talent in that wide receiving uh, free agency list. So it's, I, I, it all depends on who's up at that, that time and what the market is and what teams are incredibly uh, thirsty for a running back, which, you know, a lot of teams might just say, you know, we're not going to pay for any of these guys. We're going to draft somebody. So mm-hmm. it's, it'll be interesting to see how that market plays out. And I think Montgomery could, I mean, there, there's always that potential that you take a hometown discount to say, hey, lock me up for three years and, you know, uh, give me, you know, six million bucks a year, three million dollars, 18 or three, <laughs> uh, three years, 18 million dollars. And I'd be OK with that. Uh, but there there really there is some good talent out there this year. And if polls just wants to, you know, stay with this, you know, uh, frugal mindset, he must just say, you know what, we're going to take somebody in the fourth round and see if they can and see if they can get a like a Jordan Howard type guy who was there in the fourth round, uh, who had a big bruising back, who you know couldn't really catch a cold, but still ran the ball pretty well. So right. uh, there, there is some, uh, there is some potential out there. So we'll we'll see. But like you said, great opportunity for him to audition because uh, with Khalil Herbert out, he's going to be the lead back there. So uh, let's let's turn our let's turn our attention now to Justin Fields because everyone likes to talk about Justin Fields, myself included. Uh, <laughs> as he continues to do this, you know, there's still, there's still people. And I, I know you gotta, you gotta be able to have conversations on some of these debate shows. You gotta be able to take somebody. It's always point counterpoint on a lot of this stuff. So sometimes I take Sometimes I don't believe these people actually believe what they're saying, but, but at the same time, it's just, he hasn't proved anything because he's not winning. And it kills me that we're, that wins are all of a sudden like the biggest quarterback stat you can have whenever you look at the Bears defense and how they're underperforming. You're going to hold that against your quarterback who has absolutely nothing to do with the amount of points uh, that you're giving up. So uh, what do you think it actually takes for Justin Fields to turn that? And now it's getting there, but to turn the course on that national media where it's just like, you know what, the Bears don't got to worry about quarterback anymore. They got theirs. Yeah, I think we're already there in terms of the national media. I mean, they, they're overreacting a, a bit to, you know, uh, because of the spectacular plays that Justin has delivered. Uh, and and he, he deserves uh, praise, but he does have to improve in certain areas, and that is primarily the passing game, but also in finishing games. And it's something that he's been talking about in his last two or three press conferences You've got the ball. You've got two minutes left. You've got to make plays. And he threw the a terrible interception against the Detroit Lions that cost them that game. I mean, I hate to put it, phrase it that way because there were other reasons, too, why the Bears lost. But as a quarterback, as a franchise quarterback, when you've got the ball in your hands and you've got an opportunity to win this game, that's what separates the 
top quarterbacks from the so-so or good quarterbacks in this league. You you make it happen. And so he still has to uh, climb that mountain, so to speak. And, you know, and he just we need to see him start passing for 200, 250, 275 yards per game. And I think that's coming. You know, a lot of that was listening to J.T. O'Sullivan. He was a guest on um, the Hogan Johns podcast, and he was talking about how he sees absolutely no separation from the wide receivers. So this is not all on Justin Fields. When you have a, a respected tape analyst talking about the Bears wide receivers just not achieving the type of separation that uh, Mr. Sullivan is seeing from tape of, of the 31 other teams in the NFL, then that has to be taken into consideration for the fact that Justin is not achieving the passing numbers that other quarterbacks are doing. But he's on his way there. I saw some tremendous plays this week where he kept his head uh, uh his his eyes downfield as the pressure was coming in all around him he stayed in the pocket made some nice throws and so forth so it's there it's there it's just some more patience and it's and uh some more weapons around him and it will come and it's interesting to me that for all off season and basically throughout the season, everyone's talking about how bad the Chicago Bears receivers are and how like it's the, the worst receiving core in the in the in the league. And uh, they didn't give Justin Fields any weapons. They didn't give him any chance to succeed. And then you're gonna and then you're gonna crap on him because he's not racking up 300 passing yards a game now. So it's like okay, you told you said he didn't have any weapons, and now that he's finding a way to win, or he's not finding a way to win, but he's finding a way to score points. Uh, it's now it's like, well, no, you're not doing it the right way. <laughs> so it, that's, it's, you never, I guess you're never going to win with some, with some arguments there, but, yeah. uh, it's, I think that he has another opportunity here to take a next step in solidifying his role as the franchise quarterback. And like I said, we really can't judge a whole lot until 2023, whenever some of that hundred million dollars is spent in free agency. And hopefully the defense isn't giving up 32 points, uh, per game. Um, Although I, I did want to talk about the draft a little bit, not because of what the Bears are going to do, but what they could potentially, the, the situation they could potentially find themselves in. If they do have a top 10 pick and there are going to be some quarterback hungry teams this year and in and a, and a relatively okay uh, quarterback draft, um, would you be okay with the Bears uh, trading back? From, you know, let's just say 9 to 20 or 9 to 17. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would. Um, the The question is, is there a, a player in this draft that could immediately transcend the, the offense or the defense from good to great or average to good or, or, you know, essentially just take that next step forward. So you would hate to bypass on that one player to acquire an additional draft pick in the second round or the third round. Now, an evaluation has to be made as to, you know, how many needs does this team have and what can free agency do to address those needs? That's the, that's really the first step to answering that question with, over a hundred million dollars in cap space. If Ryan Poles does this right, he could get to that pos position in the draft where he could entertain that and not feel like, well, I'm, I'm bypassing a great player at this position that could really help us, but I'm picking up additional resources that I know are going to really help this team a bit more. 
So that's, I think that's the question is first, what happens in free agency? And then that question can be better answered. Yeah. For me, it's almost like, what is the, uh, what's the haul? What, what are you, what are you getting? Cause if someone, if someone says we're going to move up and we're going to give you, uh, a, we're going to give you a first next year and we're going to give you a third or we're going to give you a third this year. I just feel like, man, that's a lot of extra ammunition for a team that needs a lot of help. Uh, so I feel like, it, like you said, it, it all depends on if you have if you if you're in love with a guy, then you don't then you don't trade. But if if you're thinking, well, this guy would be this would be great, but man, we got in an extra first round pick next year, we got an extra third round this year, and all of a sudden we can start plugging holes. Uh, so I I can understand both, but I guess it's going to come down to what their position is. If it's if it's me, like you said, if it's a guy that says that's our biggest need and he's the best player at that position in this draft, then okay. Mm-hmm. Go fill that hole. And if it's, right. if, it's, if it's a three technique guy, go get him. Uh, but if it's if you're if you're between two guys and maybe it's two different positions, then you're like, well, we like this receiver, but we like this D lineman. You know what? If you're not sold on any of them 100, percent then go and trade back. And maybe some of them somebody falls to you that you didn't think would fall to you at 16, 17, or 18. Then you get a great player anyway, and you get an extra first round pick and an extra third round pick. So uh, I, I can I can see. Uh, both sides, but it's going to ultimately it'll come down to where they're actually picking and some because the thing about who are some of the who's going to be some of those uh, uh, quarterback hungry teams this year. I think there's a real potential that Vegas is done with Derek Carr. They could potentially move on from him, uh, and and McDaniel's can go get a quarterback that he that he really likes. I think that the Panthers are going to be uh, uh, going to be in that market. I think the Texans may be in that market. I think the commanders may be in that market. There are going to be, there's going to be probably at least four or five, six teams that would love to get a quarterback this year. Uh, and so we'll see. And the, hell, the Steelers are talking, not the Steelers themselves, but Steelers fans are talking about going up and getting a quarterback after drafting Pickett this year, which get the, give the kid a chance. I, I realize he's got weapons around him. It, it, it just, you can't have. I, I know what the I know what the Cardinals did with the whole Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray thing. I don't think Kenny Pickett's that bad that you have to boot, uh, you know boot him after one year. Uh, but that my point is, you're going to see some quarterback hungry teams go and potentially Detroit. But again, they're going they could be going up to get a, a quarterback. So uh, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how that works. Um, I love the draft. I love wheeling and dealing. I love and that's why I love franchise mode on Madden so much. So. <laughs> um go ahead go ahead i I was just gonna say you know the bears um i i i'm a little bit worried about ryan poles but i keep telling myself you know this year he will finally have the scout team uh, in place he had his first draft was basically with all the bear scouts and he spoke up uh, proudly about them, but it, it, he has made some changes since then, and he's got now a full. He will have had a full year of working with the scouting team, and so this really, this draft here is really the one where he's got to have a high percentage of successful picks. And there is something to say about you know keeping the higher picks in your draft and not accumulating more picks because, in some cases. You know, you're accumulating mediocre players or average players at best. And what this team needs most of all are superstars. They need to have those blue chip players. And those blue chip players are usually found in the first round, 
and and in in round two and three. And when it comes to day three, finding a blue chip player is very very difficult. It's a needle in a haystack. I agree, and uh, I wanted to go to Clip's question. How does a 2023 first round and a 2024 first round sound for trading down? Uh, that depends on, for me, that would depend on how far you're trading down. Uh, if, if you're if you're picking at nine and someone's moving up from 14 and they're going to give you a first round pick, and they're desperate and there's they really want this quarterback and they're in love with that quarterback and they're afraid someone's going to take him between that nine and 14 range or someone else is going to jump in. So they're going to go way over the top and say, hey, switch us from nine to 14 and you can have next year's first. I'm fine with that you're moving five you're moving five spots and you know one of those picks is going to be a quarterback so uh that, that you're not that you weren't going to take anyway so i would absolutely go with that now if it's just a first rounder and you're moving from nine to you know 20 21 uh it's still enticing uh but it also depends on who you're trading with because if it's a good team and that could be a high first rounder there's so many there's so many nuances of that that i it's like i hate just committing I'm like absolutely i do it because there's so many things so many reasons why i wouldn't do it as well so yeah, the, exactly. it's, it, it really depends on the situation but uh it also depends on how many spots uh you're moving down um I do want to talk about uh, the, the remaining schedule, although I don't know if you have your spaceship graphic available. I, I do. Think I do, I I do want to talk mm-hmm. about the, uh, the the last remaining schedule and how many games we see on there potentially being wins, which, you know, I love pro, uh, prognosticating here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way that, you know, uh, Scott Kennedy was talking about, it's a bad matchup for the Bears with what the Falcons want to do this week. They're on the road and the Falcons don't want to, you know, no smoke and mirrors. They just try to run it down your throat. And so that's... That's not gonna. That's not gonna be <laughs> a great matchup there's, but we'll see. Um, and then the Jets are better than a lot of people thought. I still don't love Zach Wilson. I think that they could potentially have a chance in that game. Uh, Green Bay looked a little bit better against the, the Cowboys, but the Cowboys did not look good at all uh, in that game against Green Bay. So, although uh, since I'm going to ask you the same question, so I guess I have to be fair to myself and ask myself the same question: How many <laughs> winnable games are left on this schedule? I will say. I'm going to say that they could potentially get three more wins there. What do you think? Well, I think every game is potentially winnable, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even week 16 against the Buffalo Bills is is potentially winnable, highly unlikely, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think at this point, um, you know, you look at these next two road games, you're, you're going up against teams that have good running games, and that's the Bears defense Achilles heel. So I, I find it very, very difficult to predict that they're going to win or even have a very good chance of winning on the road against two good running teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers, because I still, despite the Packers win o- over the Dallas Cowboys, I still think that this is a team that's imploding. There are even more and more reports that uh, players in the locker room are upset with Aaron Rodgers and his lack of leadership or his style of leadership. And so there's a very good chance by the time week 13 comes around that the Chicago Bears could be really primed to win that game. Uh, and then, you know, 15, week 15 or 16, let's forget about that. You, you come to uh, Detroit, hopefully the Bears have the wherewithal to win that game. I predict that this Lions team is probably going to not be too interested in winning because they're going to want a higher draft pick Mm. than the Bears. And so that could be a very, very winnable game for the Bears on the road. And then week 18, if the Vikings have already clinched the division. That's exactly what I was going to say. 
Exactly. Say the, the reason I said three games, because I think they might be able to steal either the one from the Falcons or the Jets. And so that would give them one. I can see them uh, potentially beating the Lions. And I don't think the Vikings are going to have anything to play for in week 18. I, I honestly, I think they're going to have the division wrapped up. Uh, I don't know if that, I mean, they could maybe be playing for the number one overall seed, or maybe they already have that wrapped up depending. Well, although I don't think they have the tiebreaker on the Eagles, so maybe they do. So if the, if the Vikings have nothing to play for, you get their backups and maybe the, and the, the, the bears get another win there. That's why, that's why I said they could top out at three more wins. Is it, could they, could they lose every game? Yeah. Could they win four games? Yeah. Like <laughs> what, but, but uh, kind of auto you're, you're contagious here when you're talking, when I'm, whatever I'm catching like the, does it really matter? <laughs> does it, I, don't, I don't like, I hate that. I hate that. I'm thinking that way. And I I, I'm blaming, I I'm blaming you for that because yeah. I never thought that I would never thought I'd see the day where it's like, does it doesn't matter. No, no, it, for me, it's supposed to matter, but you got me thinking in a different way. I know. I, I've never felt this way. I swear. I swear to you, uh, John, I've been watching this team since 1968. Your dad, was, or your dad, your uncle was playing on the team, and I fell in love with them when they were 1-13. in 13, And I won, and I was still hoping and praying that they would win. This is the first time in all my years of playing where I, it, I, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's not at that important right now what's important is developing these players and getting them set for 2023 and i feel yeah i feel dirty i feel dirty saying that like what do you yes. i'm like i'm almost like i'm chastising myself i'm like what the hell are you talking what do you mean you don't mind you uh, don't mind if they're with the wins but but it's true i mean we're looking we're looking towards the future a little bit but mm-hmm. you know before before we look at the future Let's take one more peek to the past here, Aldo, because they are playing the Falcons, and we talked about Ryan Pace being a part of that organization. So I want to ask you, and I want to ask everybody in the chat room, what is your most memorable Ryan Pace memory? If you had to think about what your your best Ryan Pace moment, is it him hiding behind the door? Is it him doing one one press conference a year and not talking about anything else? What move that you remember? Because for me, as much as it's fun to dump on Ryan Pace, the the Khalil Mack trade. I I remember where I was. Yeah. I remember what I was doing. I was at U-Haul mm-hmm. trying. I was going to rent a U-Haul, and all of a sudden, I get a text from my brother, and it says, "Oh my God, Khalil Mack," and that's all it said. I'm like, "What?" So I looked up. So I looked up, and I, I got on Twitter real quick. I'm like, "Oh my God!" And I'm like, "I'm in Pennsylvania getting a U-Haul, by the way." So they don't give two craps about this. But I'm going. <laughs> and I'm saying, "Oh my God, the Bears got Khalil Mack," and the and the lady's like, "Okay, what size truck do you want? You want like the 18 or 22?" I'm like, "I need a minute here. I need a minute." But that, but, I, but I do remember. I do remember that uh, very very specifically. Like, where were you at when the Khalil Mack? Now, did it? equate into a super bowl did it equate into you know the the best defense of all time no he, he was really exciting for a few games uh, especially that game against green bay and it was like the, it really got the blood pumping and it was uh really exciting but uh yeah that 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 was uh in the moment that was uh that was um that was something how about you aldo anything come to oh mind? yeah i tell you you know I, I immediately my my knee-jerk reaction is to react to something negative that he did but it is uh it is sobering to see some of the comments in the chat, you know, like J rock says the drafting of Justin Fields. And that clearly is a monumental moment in Ryan Pace's career as an executive in the national football league. That was an outstanding, outstanding move. Um, he was, 
The mistakes that he made with the Mitchell Trubisky trade and trading up one spot and then selecting the wrong quarterback of the top three quarterbacks available, that was equally bad. But I think he kind of made up for it in some, in many respects, maybe uh, uh, with the drafting of Justin Fields. And so the acquisition of Khalil Mack, as you mentioned, was monumental. Um, it was such a feel-good moment. I remember here at the bar room, we immediately put together a emergency uh, broadcast, and we got the highest numbers maybe in our history because it was it was such a great moment. You know, f- fans are are always more uh, interested in what we do in the in the off season with yeah. opposition than sometimes the actual games themselves. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're a Bears fan, you're not you're not competing consistently, you know, in the playoffs or anything. It's just like, well, the draft is your Super Bowl. The offseason is your Super Bowl because you're like, who are you going to add? Who are you going to who are they going to draft? Who are they going to what are they going to do this year? So I, I get it. <laughs> There's the the uh, the the era of transactions is what we look forward to. And Laz, I'm with you, that hair it, it, for for everything else. It was immaculate hair, so I can give Ryan Pace that much. But, but I do have to say this because the, the probably the biggest thing, well, one of the biggest things that bothered me about Ryan Pace was how he treated the coach that he hired or was forced to hire John Fox when he drafted Mitchell Trubisky. To not inform your head coach that you – are going to select Mitchell Trubisky, and that it becomes a surprise to him when the to him being the uh, the head coach John Fox, it becomes a surprise when that player is selected. To me, is the ultimate uh, uh, model of cowardice. What are you afraid to tell your head coach that I'm in charge and I know you want Deshaun Watson, but I want uh, Mitchell Trubisky? That to me shows really, really uh, inferior leadership on the part of Ryan Pace. And it's those things like that that r- really rub me wrong about him, and I'm so glad he is no longer part of the Bears organization. And we can only speculate now, but if if uh, John Fox was forced on Ryan Pace, if, if ownership or whoever said, you got to hire John Fox – then you're already taking all the power away from your GM. And then, of course, if he's saying, well, I had no choice in hiring this guy, I'm not really going to even run things by him. I'm just going to go do these things, and he's their guy, so we'll do that. So like that, that's a bad dynamic. If that's actually what happened, I have to put in that caveat. If that's actually what happened, then that that's you're setting things up for failure anyway. The dynamic was going to be the dynamic was going to be completely out of skew. There was never going to be the right hierarchy there to say, "Hey, GM, I know you're supposed to hire the coach, but you're you're taking this guy. You're going to have to make it work." And then the GM's like, "Well, does the coach actually outrank me then because he's appointed by ownership and not hired by me?" Mm-hmm. So uh, it was uh, that was a weird that was just a weird era there the fox era that was just weird like i i remember when they announced it i was not blown away by it i was just like oh man kind of a retread and the guy that got Mm -hmm. fired after taking a team to the super bowl there must be something not right there so like it never i never loved the fact that john fox was this seems like a nice enough guy maybe or a funny enough guy or whatever but like he just didn't seem like seemed like he checked out it just seemed like he like he got the head coaching job and he's just like yeah i'm the head coach whatever yeah, I think, and I think maybe part of that was because of the relationship with the general manager Ryan. He was, uh, you know, there are reports that they did not see eye to eye on a lot of things that were happening in closed doors at Hallis Hall, and so 
you know, he probably felt like, hey, I got a nice big fat contract. I'm going to ride this thing out. I'm going to fight for what I believe, but I know I'm probably not going to win against this guy. And if you know, if the general manager doesn't tell you who he's drafting, that there, that, that is not a healthy relationship. And so, you know, as much as I disliked the hire, uh, certainly Ryan Pace wasn't doing him any, any favors at all by going behind his back and, and doing certain things. And, you know, the, the, the other thing about that that relationship that uh, uh, bugged me is that, you know, um, uh, I, I lost my train of thought. So uh, you you and you are more like John Fox than you know, because <laughs> I remember him forgetting, like saying the guy's names wrong. Did he say Jake Utler at one point? Yeah. Uh, Carlos, Carlos yeah like he, he was always like do you, do you do you go to the facility do you know who you're coaching like <laughs> John Fox and I have a lot more in common than I'd like to admit <laughs> to forgetting guys names not knowing what's going on he's like whatever I'm here isn't that enough we're good <laughs> all right all are you ready to close this out yeah I'd like to say one last thing um Applause, applause, applause for Cole Komet. You know, yeah. he, he is a guy who um, so many fans wrote him off immediately. I mean, he was drafted and he was 21 years old. He's going to be 24 next March. And what he is proving now is that he is a number one uh, tight end. And he's only going to get better. I took took a look at the stats before our show today. And he is not being targeted as much he, uh, as he was last year. And so let's get him the ball even more and see what he can do. And that in turn is going to help the wide receivers get open more. You know, I think defenses are overlooking what Cole Komet can do to get open. And uh, now after scoring three touchdowns in the last two games, watch to see what the defense are going to do to take Cole Komet away. And that should open up things for Claypool, Mooney, and whoever else is going to be, be starting yeah. at wide receiver for the team. And although you know, I was not a huge fan of the draft pick. I was not, and it wasn't anything against Cole Komet personally. I didn't like going tight end at that position when I thought there was other things they could have got there. Mm -hmm. I did not love that they used their highest draft pick on a tight end after they go. I think that was the year they went and got Jimmy Graham. <laughs> and so then they paid him a ton of money and then they drafted another tight end. I was not a huge fan of it, but you're absolutely right. I I'm, I'm he's finally turning the corner where he's becoming that very reliable tight end. I would love to see in free agency, maybe then pair, maybe pair him with like a Mike Gesicki out of, out of from Miami and have a guy that can stretch the field vertically and then have Cole Komet uh, doing, doing his job. So mm -hmm. uh, that, I think that there's still room there for some improvement as far as the roster goes, but you're, you're right. Cole Komet has, has become very reliable, has, you know, taken leaps and bounds of where he was. So it's good to see that progression. So all's well that ends well, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what's going on with the bar room this week? How many we got the 95 shows or what was going well, on? Well, not the quite that many, but uh, <laughs> tomorrow afternoon, we've got Crosstown Crosstalk. Uh, Vinny Parisi uh, will uh, let us know on all the latest hot stove leak stuff. You know how baseball is. It's, it's, it's worthy. It's a worthy topic. 12 months out of the year. And so I'm looking forward to tomorrow's Crosstown Crosstalk with Vinny. And then uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m., it is the Mac and Reed show. They're going to talk about uh, Justin Fields and now his celebrity status uh, in the National Football League and, and dig into that, but also talk about the 
what the immediate future of the Chicago Bears could be the rest of the uh, season. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that show as well. On uh, Sunday, we've got our full slate of shows, but also on Saturday, it's the weekend sports betting tips. Uh, this will be the last show for a, a couple of weeks because our good friend Johnny Santucci is going on a trip to Thailand. Um, and so he's going to visit uh some uh, uh in-laws and friends over there so he'll the be the philippines always, or the th- or thailand i think he's going to thailand first and then the philippines I th- oh man because he told me it was like a three-week trip so he could be going all over the place yeah <laughs> yes good luck i mean not good luck but good for him i mean yeah absolutely and he's taking the kids too what a what a trip so that's going to be outstanding and then on sunday we've got our full slate of programs that starts at 8 a.m in the morning with mike north uh uh, talking some sports betting and also his views on the Chicago Bears. And that, that includes all the way up until your show, John. That's right. And so don't forget, as soon as the clock hits triple zeros on the Bears game, we'll go into Bear football. Tyler Ellis, myself, and Danny Shimon with Aldo running all the wires in the background. Uh, we'll give you a raw emotion after the game. It's always a fun time, whether it's win or lose, and we appreciate all the people that join us in the chat room. They leave comments on the U- on on the YouTube. Man, I'm getting old. On the, on the YouTube, make sure you check us on the YouTube, and then find us on the MySpace and all that other things that us kids are doing nowadays. Jeez, I am an aging millennial like you wouldn't believe. Uh, but, uh, we we do appreciate everybody who watches and listens, whether it's your first time or fifty fifth time, whether you're watching the audio version, the video version the podcast version the live version appreciate each and every one of you but that will do it for this edition of buffone 55 for aldo gandhi and Alyssa barbieri i'm john buffone we'll see you next time take care everybody